Shut up and sit down. Mom and I think you don't get enough outdoor exercise, so we bought you a bike. You, my loyal and faithful followers, are listening to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hapler, and Jake Von Turing. Tip of the day from a quote by Winston Churchill. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. And so goes life. Gotta make your bike bright. A light on the front and one on the rear will help drivers to steer clear. You need a good light to see all the trash helps avoid a really bad crash. Okay, Patrick, this is a very delicate situation and must be treated with great care and sensitivity. Gotcha. All right, welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Von During, and today I'm here with Lance Hepler. Lance Romance in studio, in studio. today. I, I studio. love it when you're in studio. Yeah. <sighs> I miss you guys. Yep. Yep. We missed you too, man. I miss my friends. Yeah. yeah. I was Good to totally have you. AWOL last Last week, totally AWOL. Yep. Yep. Mr. Matt Legrand. What's up? Ladies and gentlemen of the interwebs, you guys are looking fantastic. (laughs) Thank you. Yep. I I know. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) You guys know it. And across uh, the table from me right now is an empty chair Uh, where a gentleman by the name of Evan Price would normally be sitting, but he is... Across the country. (laughs) He is across the country. Across the country. Or he is crossing the country. Maybe there, mid-flight. He might be mid-flight. There is a very small, small chance he might oh. actually call us at some point in time during this show. And if he does, um, we will try and patch him through so that we can chat with him a little <laughs> bit. He's moved on. He's better than us now. <laughs> he's, he's big time. He's pro. He's big time. Yeah. He um, is, though, is sitting on an airplane at the this current moment. So um, hopefully we hear from him. What do you think the odds are? Good? Bad? One in a million. I'm going to say about... So you're telling me there's a chance. There's a chance. One half of one quarter percent that he calls us because he's not going to be able to figure out Skype. No. Say phone, Skype. If if he calls just on your... He's just going to call you on your cell phone. Does he know know how to use a phone? (laughs) (laughs) Should we all bag on Evan while he's not here? Just let him have it. (laughs) Yeah, I was saying this before. It blows me away that he doesn't upload his rights to Strava oh from gosh. his from his phone or from his computer. He does not have that whole automatic upload thing nope. set up. It no, it's always like Matt, send this ride up for me or send me. A, like, <laughs> okay, buddy. It's, it's hilarious <laughs> gotta, to me. We got to hook him up. We got to do it for him. He's uh, yeah. He, right. I bet you he would snag a whole bunch of KOMs. Oh like, yeah, as soon as pretty fast. <laughs> all of a sudden, everybody's like, "Who's this Evan guy?" Who's this Evan guy? <laughs> he's getting. He's like going around, just cruising around town, picking up KOMs because <laughs> he trains hard all the time. Like yeah. he goes hard. So cool. Hey, let's backpedal, Matt. Okay, backpedal for us. Um, yeah, kind of a bit of a rest week last week, and honestly, the reason was it wasn't necessarily like super scheduled or anything like that. It was rainy. And I was just like, we've had, we just had, we had two weeks of just absolutely insane sunshine and did a fair amount of training, like did a lot of training. And then it just started raining and I was like, yeah, this is a good time to have a rest week and just did it. And I feel like that was a good way to structure my training just based on weather. 
and what the weather's like. That's not bad. Yeah, it's, it's what it is. Um, I did, just before this podcast, I did a run with my friend James Powell. He does listen to the podcast sometimes. He might be like going back and listening to the first one going through. So in a couple of months, he'll hear this one and uh, he'll remember this run, hopefully. But I was telling him like, yeah, you know, I just want to kind of be careful because my calves have been bugging me. Like, let's just do a run and see how things feel. And then maybe we'll quit, you know, mid run. We'll see how it goes. And he just, you know, starts rolling and starts pushing the pace down. We start going seven flats or whatever it is. And I'm looking at my watch like, this is pretty fast, you know, a little faster than I was expecting. And we get to like the end of Heritage Trail or whatever. It's, you know, ends up being like a seven mile run. And we just start rolling on the way back. And I'm like, okay, well, we're not going to let up now. And we start going 645, 640s. I think I hit 603 pace was somewhere in the middle of that. Oh, wow. And I'm like, okay, I guess this (laughs) we're going. I guess this is what we do. (laughs) And yeah, I don't think I needed to do that at all, but it was kind of fun. It is, it is enjoyable to feel good running at a decent clip. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I did the uh, run to remember with my family. My oh, entire yeah. family went up there. That was super cool. Um, all like all five of us did the one mile run, including my four year old. Oh, cool! Which was a long way to go for a little four year old. Uh, and I ran with my middle kid. Uh, he did well. He had to walk twice. Um, and then my oldest kid ended up running like eight fifteen for the mile. It was like fifth wow. place overall or something. I don't wow! Know. I know. I thought that was pretty good. He was pretty pretty pleased with that. Awesome. So it was a really fun like family event. My wife did well. She was third female overall in the 10K. So after she did the mile, she went and did the 10K. She's a good little runner. So since this is a, a oh. cycling podcast, you got any cycling stories for her this past week? Um, <laughs> I rode I rode with you, Jake, and you said, "What is?" Let me read my um, quote from my text that you said. Cross my heart, it will be a nice slow ride or something like it that. It was. We. <laughs> The only time we pushed that was on Sean Martin. He was oh, sitting up front chugging I'm away. Not, I'm not saying it's all your fault. I'm saying that it was it was an up tempo. I mean, it wasn't super hard or anything like that. I think my normalized power was sub 200. Was that. it really? Yeah. Okay. Well, just kind of putzing along. I, I I definitely grabbed wheel and I was like, this is. I'm just gonna draft that sob. I'm just gonna. It was nice. I felt I and I felt good. Yeah. Uh, and then Saturday I rode with. Um, like Robbie Halterman's group uh, and a couple other um, writers that I think also listen, potentially listen to the podcast. Uh, a guy named Mark Radford, I think is his last name. Fantastic athlete. It was great riding with these guys. And uh, another guy named Tom, I think. Um, and we, we had like a, just a really nice group. Um, John, I think was there and we ran into Jordan Rickards yeah. and oh. he like hammered up crown point. Uh, so we had a whole bunch of Robbie Halterman, was yeah. riding really well. So we had a nice little group of riders. It was super fun. I really enjoyed it. That was, you know, it was a great day. I think I ended up getting 70 something miles. Oh, good. Um, Lance, did you get a long ride in? Did you get any miles in? I, <laughs> Backpedal, Lance. Same, same day, right? That was like. I rode some miles on Saturday. You know, um, I, I had the pleasure to <laughs> be able to go out with Jake and Sean and yeah. uh, Sean's son Nels, and we rode yeah. like fifty miles together. Yeah. Which Kurt was, too, yeah. And Kurt, yeah. yeah, that's right. Kurt joined us. Yeah, they and they all promptly dropped me up the big climb on Kelly Road. Oh, Kelly Road. Yeah, that's a cool climb. It's like two miles. It's not too much traffic right? there. Yeah. So, but yeah, this, when I heard on you when I met those guys to do the fifty mile ride that they had planned, I had already ridden about 55 miles when I got there. So I had... So is that with the Mari Ride group or... I started in the morning with the Mari Ride group. I just, I needed to get some... Yeah. A long day in yep. because 
last two weeks, my last two weeks have been fantastic. I missed you all last week because Moab had its claws in me. Yeah. <laughs> and I just couldn't break away to call in because I had I was mountain biking in the morning and then my wife really wanted to ride in the afternoon and it was right about the time I would have called in and so I rode with my wife a little bit instead That's on great. road bikes. Yeah. But uh yeah, I ended up doing a big big ride like 120 miles on Saturday. That's so ridiculous. So 120 miles. That's pretty rare. I mean, you probably did that on the team camp. What did you hit that day? That long... 110, 115. is a long day. Yeah. So you did the, that, and then you met up with those guys, and there was a little riding in between. I did I did the Mari ride, which was like 35 miles. Okay. And then I still had like an hour and a half before meeting these other guys, Kills so I time. just kept riding. Did you go like... Yeah. Looking for KOM spots, or what did you? Um, what do you do when you have an hour to kill? I just when you're I, Lance Hepler, you I, have an I hour to did, kill. I did. I went for one little short KOM. Yep, <laughs> yep. It's like I could read what you're thinking. <laughs> I'm like, where should I go? Okay, I know when I'm gonna go. I got second on it. I okay. didn't get it. That's okay. Who were you trying to steal it from? Um, it's a guy I don't know. Oh, okay. yeah. So what was the segment? It, He's it's not gonna tell you, Jake. <laughs> it's one down by. <laughs> it's down by the waterfront. It's off of. I don't even. I don't even know. It's if it's off of. Uh, he doesn't want to share. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. Um, it's called Fifth Street Jump. Is what it's called. Cool. So downtown, like towards downtown yeah, Vancouver. Toward, okay. Yes, towards downtown. Okay. And then I rode back and hooked up with these guys, and they yeah. did not go easy. No. We actually rode pretty hard for fifty miles, and, and it was I kind was of out and back. Is that what it looked like? It was. Yeah. Okay. I was super happy that I just could stay with them. Yep. While we were all out there riding together, did you have enough calories and stuff? I um, mean, yeah, I did. I, I was is like pretty serious. I, I never had trouble with energy or calories. I was overdressed because I right. was starting in the morning. I started in the morning and I was expecting some rain. The rain never developed. No. It got up to like sixty-five. It's pretty. Yeah, I had arm warmers and a vest on, and I just never took them off. Yeah, it's too hot. It and and so, I I had cramping issues. Um, about 95 miles about in. About 95 miles in, <laughs> I had to. I stood up to like sprint, and I'm like, "Oh!" He's like, "Ooh!" Ah. <laughs> I don't think yeah. I can sprint. <laughs> Jake actually gave me the, the rest of the half of his bottle of water. I went through four bottles of water okay. or some yeah. stuff, but yeah, I felt pretty good. I had cramping issues the rest of that night because I was dehydrated because I was over. I was overdressed for most of that ride, but yeah, you know when I was riding behind you the week prior, and I told you you were like kind of like yeah. emitting some sweat, little bullets. Oh my gosh, yeah. So yours were like little tiny little droplets. Lance was dropping like these <laughs> rain bombs on me. <laughs> he had these big giant things flying off. I was like, oh my god, that's a that was a big one. <laughs> Jake, you have so, it's uh, just me sweating. Yeah, you have um, a bit of a problem with people sweating on you i guess so i don't know but i feel sorry i could tell that he was definitely letting off a lot of uh fluid so i uh gave him everything that i had left in my bottle pretty much so we could get home good luck getting home (laughs) yeah how was nels did he so fantastic a lot of our viewers nels is 15 Mm -hmm. strong just awesome yep Yep. awesome rider stayed with us the whole way um did did he climb hard on kelly hill he dropped me on kelly hill i don't know i was two minutes behind these guys Uh, he can climb Yeah. yeah It was um it was fun watching him ride and he's uh he just gets stronger and stronger. Like thinking yeah. back to like the first couple times I rode with him, probably just a little over a year ago, yeah. he is such a different rider now. He's like he's yeah. a threat. Like before it's like all right, hold on slow slow up he's a little up, bit so up. he can like stay on a wheel and stay attached yeah. to us and now he's like taking poles and he's yep. killing us on the climb. So yeah. He uh he he was strong. 
Yeah. He's very strong. Did he hit that Kelly Hill hard or did uh, it's funny. We, it's we got to the bottom far, of it pretty far into the right. And I had it selected on my uh, yep. favorites and it popped up on my Garmin and it said, you know, 2.14 miles to go yeah. to the finish. And I hollered over and I'm like, Nels, go, go. You got 2.14 miles. And you'll look at your, you know, like mark it on mm-hmm. your, your, your garment so you know how far it is to the top. Cause he'd never done it before. And then he slowly started rolling off. And then, you know, he, um, he kept a pretty good clip. Yeah. Um, I came around him about a third of the way up. Third of the way up by that cool barn that's up there. It's really pretty. Yeah, well before that. And then yeah, um, okay. he he was always probably, I don't know, 100 meters behind me. He just kind of kept good. that pace. That's but close. he, he kind of misjudged it. And he he said he didn't make a, a mental note of like where his garment was at in terms of mileage right. so he could add it up. And he thought he was there at the finish and he wasn't. There's that one last little switch back before you do the last little climb. Oh, and I think yeah, that he yeah. thought he had already gotten to the end. So he yep. misplayed it just a little bit. But he still climbed it really well. So it's fun. He's gonna be great. He's gonna be. It's great. gonna be so much fun watching him. Yep. So it was. It was fun. Yeah. I really didn't ride my road bike that much, other than that one big long ride in these yeah. last two weeks. I I was riding my mountain bike every morning, and it was glorious. Oh my gosh! You have to say was, glorious at least twice. It was so glorious. Well, because I was in Moab, Utah. I was in Las Vegas for a while. Yep. Um, I was in a couple of cool spots. I would wake up early in the morning. I'd go find. A trail that I hadn't done yet, and I would take the dog with me. It looked like you were doing a lot of gravel roads from pictures. Um, those were like drive breaks. Yeah. Okay. I'd pull off the highway on some random farm exit. Do you find those? How do you find those? Strava so, or do you just, no. just like turn? This there, one? There's no segments there's out nothing. there. So you just stop there's and you jams like, on the brakes. This might be a good. <laughs> or I might or I might go ten feet and be done. Correct. And I, then you get I'm, back in the car. I'm like looking like looking at. Uh, so so now if people Google want to find things, they need to go to Lance.com. <laughs> That's right. LanceRomance.org <laughs> to find my to find all the gravel segments. Gravel you know, segments on the one you know if you're going down the five or whatever it is like you just need to go to lance.org oh yeah <laughs> edu but i know we talked about like dog etiquette a little bit a yeah. couple of weeks ago and um there's the the mountain biking trails as you can imagine in moab are super popular right yeah. lots of people out there so if i was on the trail by 7 a.m there was nobody else out there yeah everybody was waiting till 9 or 9 30 to get there so it was okay for me to take the dog with me. Sure. And she just loves it. It's yeah. so fun to watch her just run. And half the time she's running right in front of me on the trail. And half the time she's like right on my right on my six running behind me. But I didn't run into any other people, so it didn't bother anybody. I didn't have any issues with anybody. The dog listens to me really well, so that's awesome. And and there were a couple times where we came upon groups and I would pull off and right. stop and bring the dog over and she would just sit with me until we went. Yeah. One thing that happened, I forgot about this. I lost my phone mm. on a mountain bike trail. Pop out of your pocket? It po- I took oh. it out and took a photo and I was oh, wearing yeah. I was wearing my my mountain bike jersey, not my like road jersey. Sure. Then it has kind of a looser pocket in the back, and I slipped it in there, and then I bombed down this little thing, and it flew out, and Ooh. I didn't realize it. And it was a six mile loop, and I got all the way back to the car, and I'm like, "Where's my phone?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I had to. I, luckily, my wife was there; she was waiting at the van for me. I had to take her phone the find my friend and thing. use the find my friend nice. thing and like, oh, it's 
three miles back out there. Oh. Sweet, I get to go right again. <laughs> I had to go right the whole loop again to find my phone. Yeah. So it was pretty funny. Cool. So the other thing that happened, I'm sorry, I'm gonna keep no, go going. ahead. Yeah. So Lance, shut up. You got too many stories. The uh, the the Strava segment in front of Matt's oh, house. Yeah. <laughs> I did go for that. Did you know that? No. So the day the day I got back, I went for a little kind of loose up ride, and I just randomly stopped at Matt's house, and I stopped at Jake's house and disrupted a meeting that Jake sure. was in. And um, when I went to Matt's house, I thought I'm going to go for this segment, and so I just hammered up that road. But I someone else has it now. Jake has it, <laughs> and I missed it by a second. Oh, no really? <laughs> I didn't realize. It was one second. I didn't realize you got that close to it. I didn't think I did either because there was a headwind. I had a bit of a headwind going up the oh, hill. And so, huh. and it's fast. You guys have really lit that thing up. Definitely breaking the speed limit. I don't know what the speed I limit think is. I was close to 30 miles an hour. Yeah, on you were you were like 28.1. Yeah. I was like 27 point. That's so fast. Something. <laughs> this is like a small dead end street. Like <laughs> you would you would not feel it. comfortable driving 30 miles an hour on this street. You're like these. Yeah, it's funny that you guys have hammered it. So yeah, you guys need to duke it out some more. We're gonna, I'm, crack, gonna I'm gonna have to 30 go. Miles an hour. I have to go for it a little bit harder. <laughs> It ends. Thankfully, it ends, but like before the cul-de-sac starts, so that we can at least break through the cul-de-sac and not fly through your garage door yeah. or something. Yeah, I, I, I had my garage door open so that Lance could come straight in. I mean, it wasn't planned, obviously. But do you want to remind everybody uh, what the name of the segment is? It's called "What's Up, Ladies and Gentlemen oh, of the Internet." I didn't even know that. <laughs> That's a nice name for a segment. Yeah. You have all these people riding up and down oh the street. Now. <laughs> and then I just went into Matt's garage and texted him and said, Matt, I'm in your garage. Yeah. <laughs> and I told my kids, you guys want to come say hi to Lance? Nope. No. Who's that come guy? On, man, this guy's famous. Yeah. He's Lance Romance. He's famous. He's on the internet. That's cool. Yeah. I'm almost tempted to have you guys backpedal for Evan for his uh, experience. We- Evan just texted me. He said he might call in. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, then I'm going to table that. He did have a race this weekend. Yeah. so um, Yeah, he doesn't know how to call, but I'm, he's going <laughs> to spend the next hour and a half trying, I'm sure. Looking for the, the I, rotary phone in the airport. <laughs> Where's the I, pay phone? Where's I do have phone? his results up if, okay. if, gotcha. uh, if we uh, don't hear from Evan after. Okay. We should definitely talk about he. You know, He is not here because he is you know um, coming from his Chattanooga race where he ran a half Ironman. We probably talked about him going to this race in the last podcast. Yeah, we did. So, we did. yeah. Um, I'll backpedal real quick. Uh, I think last week when we had the podcast, I think I mentioned that I woke up not feeling 100%. And as the day went on, that got worse and worse. Um, So much so that I tried to even go for a little ride with my kids uh, because I passed on riding at PIR. And even that little two, two and a half mile little jaunt around the neighborhood was too much for me. But I did get to go out to PR and watch a bunch of people race. And my son went out and again, added another mile per hour to his oh, um man did his, he really yeah he's up at like 16.2 mile an hour average speed at, at pr because i saw him awesome. at like the school carnival thing and i was like how fast are you going dude and he's like 21 miles an hour like he's going so fast <laughs> he, he rattled yeah, it he was, off he was right talking away. about well he was his talking top about his speed, average yeah, is what he, he remembered i think but yeah, he's his, doing great his top speed though was close to 22 miles an hour so <laughs> holy cow yeah it's funny he's got strava now and i said hey do you want to follow anybody he's like Lance. <laughs> yes. Do you want to follow Lance? Well, he has been liking my rides. Do you know what, though? And you, have, and you have funny titles. So like you're a really good person to follow well, if you're going to follow yeah. someone. Except I have to make sure I keep them yeah, yours are cleanish. Fine. Cleanish. They're fine. <laughs> I don't think you post anything crazy. So, 
he had a, a blast. Um, the rest of my week was just kind of crap. Like Matt said, it was uh, bad weather here and I wasn't feeling well. And I was due for a rest week. So it kind of all came together and I kind of took it easy. It took actually a couple days off and uh, that ended my streak. I was going to try and ride every oh, single day this month. I didn't know you took any days off. That was my, I... my ultimate goal was to ride every single day. And it was originally to, to ride outside every single day yep. um, because it's National Bike Month. And that came to a screeching halt, I think, after like 13 <laughs> or 14 days. Um started to feel better and then we had our little ride where you know lance rendezvoused with us and flew out to uh, kelly point and i it was just a, a good ride i was still kind of feeling a little bit in my lungs but um legs felt pretty good so yeah and uh, outside of that uh we did a little ride yesterday that matt yeah. already talked about so i don't really have too much to backpedal so i don't need to ramble on here yeah it was, it was, nice. a, it was a decent week um feeling better and there's pir again tonight which i will take my son out it is looking like there is a little bit of rain in the forecast. That are you going to race personally, or just if it's wet, I won't race. Okay. I, it's not worth it to me. Yeah, because um, guys, like it just it crashes happen when it rains. So yeah, I'm thinking the it might be okay. It, like I think the forecast said like rain at 8 p.m. tonight or something like that. So I'm trying to decide the same thing. Like, do I yeah. want to go out and ride? So yeah, I depending upon what it's looking like, I might take all my stuff with me. And if yeah. it's if it's nice. You know, come race time, I might pin on a number and go. Yeah. Otherwise, it'll be just out there watching my son, and then I'll head back home and call it a day. Yeah. So, yep. Cool. Let's uh, let's move forward. The lead out. Let's lead out the, some news the for the new for the peeps. segment. The new lead out segment. Yes. Um, lead out news. Yeah. Let's uh, go ahead and start with um, Lance. Do you want to talk about anything international? Um, anything international that I'll, you would like to talk about? Do you want me to talk internationally? Do you want me to talk domestic? Well, you're yes. a man of many. <laughs> you pick. Yes. You're a man of many of many t- travels. <laughs> world traveler. So Um I'll talk about the tour of California. Do it to it. Okay. Um it it certainly was a great week this week in the tour of California. There was some exciting racing. Um the craziest thing is it ended up being won by the youngest person yep. ever. Twenty years old, right? Twenty is years 20? old. Wow. And I'm gonna butcher his name. His it's no, Tadej Pojakar, but I know I'm not pronouncing it right. Yeah, it sounded good to me. They kept they kept sure re-pronouncing they it differently. Yeah. I don't exactly remember where he's from, but Pojakar is from, or he's on the UAE team, yeah. the United Emirates team, and had just some solid. Was he just strong climbing results. or what? Yeah. So on on the Mount Baldy right. stage. Um, there were a couple of guys who tried to get away. Um, T.J. Van Garderen was had been in the lead up until right. that Baldy stage, and with two or three k to go, he just um, hit the wall or what? He just tailed off. Yep. Man. So, but but he had he had a teammate, um, Hig Higuita. <laughs> Nailed it. You nailed that pronunciation. Oh He's I'm a glad Colombian. you're saying this and not me. <laughs> he had a teammate, Higuita, who was a who's a Colombian guy okay. that um, just was going great. And this is the education first team. Education first. So team. and this is what we talked we mentioned this before the podcast. I love this team. Yeah, they're like, good guys. I love all the people on this team. Yeah. This seems like such a cool group. They're gonna be like my favorite team. I don't know if they're gonna TJ's race. TJ's on it. This guy's on it. Um, who's the other guy? Really Lawson like? Craddock. Uh, Lawson Craddock. Oh, uh, Lachlan. Um, Lachlan Morton. Morton is awesome. He is such. They're they're a cool group. <laughs> He's a great and, guy. Um, who else is on there? Uh, Taylor Finney. Taylor Finney. That's the other guy <laughs> yeah. who is yeah. awesome. And I think the you know a lot of those guys have been friends before being on this team. So pretty yeah. cool stuff. 
Yeah, so pretty crazy. Um, Higuita, his teammate, had gone off the front yeah. and was leading, but this Pojakar guy caught him right there at the end. And with 50 meters to go, wow. Higuita sprints and takes a corner too wide. No. <laughs> yes. And Pojakar is right on his wheel, and he just took the right line, and Higuita just... Like Dude. went around the corner wrong, and he ended up beating him. They had got the same time, but he ended up beating him. And so there was a time bonus, and because they beat TJ by so much, he ended up getting in the lead. Wow! And so kind of crazy. The other, the other crazy thing that happened was um, when TJ was in the leader's jersey. Yeah. It was the day before, or was it two stage days? Stage four, yeah. Yeah, stage, I wonder. Yeah, that's stage four. So he he's he's in the middle of the peloton. And TJ crashed. Right. Um, and you weren't really sure what happened. Right. But he just, he said afterwards that he just lost focus for a moment and touched yeah. somebody's wheel. I looked at the footage and it looked like there was some, like something else looks like it happened. And like a couple something people jostled. in front of him looked like they were like, you can see it. Like um, if you look the the, you know, there's plenty of places where you can find the replays of that stuff. But I go to steephill.tv. Yeah. And it looks like there's like, a shuffling in the peloton and then you know he goes he down goes down so i don't think it was i mean clearly if he was paying closer attention yeah he probably could have stayed up or something like that Maybe but it, i don't think it was 100 percent his fault by any means so he goes down he jumps back up and right. he broke his chain his his, his oh. chain had broken okay. in the crash the rest of his bike looked okay yeah but he goes to get back on chain broken yeah so his teammate lachlan morton who is who's, this who's our favorite who's our, our favorite podcast like favorite super skinny climber from australia um he won the tour of utah a couple Mm -hmm. years ago so he just automatically gives tj his bike yeah and so tj and you you see him give like the little yes you ran him out yeah so tj jumps on his bike and he goes and they're trying to catch back on to the group because it's only 15k to go or something like that Yeah. yeah yeah it was close to the end but not close enough to be time neutralized right so they're hammering the teams with them. They come to a sharp corner, and all of a sudden, TJ doesn't negotiate the corner right. He yeah. locks up his brakes. He skids. Barely he, stays up. He barely stays up. He has to blow through a corner and turn around and go around. And what ended up happening was Lachlan Morton has his brakes reversed. Yeah. Because he's a crazy Australian. Well, yeah. <laughs> so we don't know why he has no. reversed. Well, and yeah, I mean, you should hear the stories about this guy. Like he and his brother were both like, I mean, his brother was a professional cyclist for a little while also. Yeah. And like they were just crazy Australian kids. Like they, <laughs> they said like the first thing they did when they got new bikes is like take the brakes off because you slow you down. <laughs> Stupid and just like brakes. crazy. Yeah. Like they right. were, I think they were just crazy kids. Yeah. So you talked about him like in an old podcast that we yeah, did, right? Yeah, yeah he's it's because the, they made this uh, Vimeo. Yeah, um, they have a they, they have a, a movie series movie or, series yeah. about them riding across the country of Australia, totally and then gonna another make, one. Yeah, I'm gonna make sure you guys watch those. Yeah, they're, they're super good. good. They're really yeah. good. Um, yeah. Anyway, TJ didn't know that his brakes reversed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what the what? Like, <laughs> he's like, what? Yeah, that's funny. So it's a funny trick to play on someone. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway, he, he, he the the drama happened was he did end up catching back on the group right as there was another crash yeah. in the peloton, but Which, the but the crash that was also like the you know the location of that was in particular important because it was three point 
3.2 right, k to go and mm. this 3k to go is where if there's a crash you all get the same time yeah, yeah. so he had to stop again to get around this crash yeah. and he ends up finishing like 50 seconds from the Lead. from the leaders so yeah. he lost 50 seconds but the race organizers controversially decided we're going to give everybody the same time because yeah. the crash was so close to the 3k and it it was i'll tell you what man that's a yeah. that's a tough call as yeah. an official and i think it pissed a lot of people off yeah. uh, the and, rules are the rules that yeah. was a bad call in my opinion yeah i you know i i, I kind of unfortunate but it's that those are the rules that's why they have the rules exactly i mean if they're going to be something that's gray but, they're, they're subjective the, now right. i mean but the rules are, are you know they state like the you know the officials have the right to make the call so sure. that's the way the rules read like you know this is the 3k mark but the officials have the right to make the call right right so i think it's i don't know i mean what do you do do you make a 5k do you keep pushing it back you know it's like right. you know, it's I, I think it's a tough call for sure and you and you do want to kind of keep the real contenders you know in the race and i think that's one of the reasons they have the rule is so that you don't have um the gc guys mixing up in the Mixed sprint up. right like because you want you know you want the sprinters to have like a clean sprint right and so you know you have there all these things where it's like okay well there's less pressure if there's a crash or whatever so they don't have to feel like they're at the front they're right up there because if you stay at the front you're less likely to hit a crash and get you know but then wh- i mean where do you draw the line that's that's the thing is they've decided to draw the line at 3k and then yeah. they had all this yeah. trouble and you know the other crash was within sight of the 3k banner you know yeah so I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a tough call. But yeah. anyway, they made it. It didn't end up it didn't matter. Yeah. Because TJ ended up falling off on the Mount Baldy stage. And I wonder if that crash though, like getting beat I mean, because he went down maybe hard enough. Maybe he beat him up a little bit for that climb. I don't know. The Although Mount Baldy climb. They interviewed him before the stage started. Yeah. And he said our plan is to have pink at the top of the podium. So the EF education first team colors are pink so they were he i think he was forecasting that he thinks his teammate was going to go for it oh interesting yeah. so and that it, so whether th- it was him or right. his teammate you know they were going to go for it yeah. i hope he's feeling okay i feel like he has had a lot of bad luck and rough performances over the past four years it's been his whole career these last four years you're yep. right yep four or five years or something so the other exciting thing about the tour of california um, is they they rode that same stretch of road along oh, yeah. along Big Sur that I rode on my way down to California. So the, the real question is, Lance, what were the time differences? You put you put some time into the Peloton. I I rode every one of those segments faster than the Pro Peloton did. I just want to say that. <laughs> I feel like that needs to, be on, needs to be on record. I was going through the Strava segments watching. You know, oh, what what was their time on this climb and what was their time on this downhill and what was their time from Bixby Bridge to the next yeah. bridge. And, and my times were all about 20 to 30 seconds faster than the pro peloton. No, Lance, do you think, it, That's the, right. do you think it's because they're soft? <laughs> yeah, they're, a, little they're bit. a bunch of wussies is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that and the, uh, that, that's why I have been able to win every single Cat 4 or 5 road race that I've entered this year. You're crushing, you're crushing I haven't won fives. anything. I haven't won fours. a single race. No, the when the tour went through, they had a twenty mile an hour headwind. Oh, 
So oh. I did not have a headwind. Wah, I had, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> there, we had no wind on the day I was going uh, through. No, so. the, these these tour softies can't make weather their excuse. Yeah, I was feeling pretty good about myself <laughs> there. You should feel good about <laughs> I was that. Smoking all the tour pros. That's funny. <clears throat> all right, there's my tour of California recap. Good. Uh, locally, we had the Sasquatch Duro Gravel Grinder. That sounded like. It was kind of fun. Did you do you know much about that race, Lance? It's a it's a first year race or a second year race. Put on by Mudslinger events. Put on by Mudslinger. Yep. Um, it was only about forty five miles and about four thousand feet of climbing, so a fair amount of climbing. Yeah. Um, and it, the thing is, it was like two and a half hours away from Portland, mm-hmm. and I decided to ride with you guys instead of going to do that race that morning yeah it, it looked like it was a pretty tough race we had a couple teammates that were down there yeah um and they said it was rough but um they said it was a fun time and the, the fastest time was two hours and 14 minutes by dylan caldwell uh racing in the men's 25 to 34 category yeah um and like i think he ended up beating that field by over three minutes he did he won the overall there too yeah that guy's so flipping fast yeah super strong <laughs> so um yeah the the competitors came out the sorry Sorry. <laughs> um, let's see here. The, the men's 35 to 39, you had Mark Goodman win that. The men's 40 to 44, you had Cliff Essinger, Esslinger. Um, the 40 to 49-year-olds, you had Thomas Hainsrich. Thomas Hainish. Hainish. Yeah. He's, uh, he beat Danny Weichel. Huh. That's uh, that's pretty good. Danny's fast. Danny's fast. So, And then the men's uh, 50 to 54, we actually had a teammate, Scott Carroll, take second place to um, Ben Handorf uh, from the Bonk Collective, which is kind of neat to see those guys out there racing. I, I like that team. I think that they're doing a good job of kind of bringing um, more people to the table and they're, they're being uh, competitive. So I like seeing good teams come together and build and grow. Um, the men's 50 to 59, we had Kyle Kotwicka. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably butchering everybody's last names. The 60 to 64, we had our, our teammate Mark Lipchick. Um, he took second place in that to uh, a David Leadham. And let's kind of fast forward here. I want to go check out some of the women. Um, they had quite a few women out there racing, but they had the the age bracket so broken up that it's kind of tough to, um, you know. Uh, they only had like three or four women in, in each of the categories, but they had a lot of categories, so a fair amount of them showed up. So you had the women's 25 to 34. It looks like it was Leah Brown. Um, she won that one. The women's 35 to 39, you had Evelyn Bowling, and I believe she had the fastest time out of all of the women. Yes. So, and yeah, I, I don't want to go through everything, but um, have a look at obra.org and go to race results and you guys can see more about what happened down there but um, another fun gravel event on the calendar it sounds like uh, gravel is really starting to take root here lots and lots of gravel racing and lots of people are showing up so neat stuff um, anybody want to talk about the Giro I um, I think I had Dumoulin picked uh, and I saw like a very small I haven't been watching the Giro that much it's early in the mornings for us you know which typically would be a good time for me to watch stuff but sure um, the only thing I've seen is this clip of him and he was biking he was basically like 
it looked you know it looked like his team was surrounding him and he was finishing up a stage was not pushing it in he was losing time the whole time as he was finishing but still not pushing with blood just streaming down his leg basically it was going all the way down from his knee down or whatever i did not find out like how bad it was after that all i know is um he's done he's not he continuing yep. yep yep do you guys know what it, what happened the backstory on that uh he he uh he just got mixed up um yeah. with you know, 10 or 15 K to go in a stage and crashed and took a chain ring to the knee. Oh yeah. So it's, it split his knee open a little bit. Uh, he finished, uh, his whole team went back to help him get in. But, um, the very next day he jumped on the bike thinking, yes, I'm going to continue. Yeah. He didn't really feel that good, but, um, they rode through the neutral section. And as soon as they waved the flag, (laughs) He didn't even ride 1K, and he pulled oh, off and man. said, I can't do this. Plus, he's trying to save himself for the tour. Yep. So. Matt so lost his pick. Bummer. Yeah, yeah. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, I, Evan, was it you or Evan? They were like, okay, take another pick. And then I was like, well, Roglic looks like he's just dominant right yeah, now. Yeah. He looks so good. He's crushing all these things. And I feel like that's not fair to pick him by any means. It's like you can't just go pick the guy that's in the first still lots of racing to go though there oh that is very true and i mean i think that's the interesting part about this look at this i think is that is that evan (laughs) no couldn't be what are the odds what are the odds hello evan are you there hello guys are we live right now we are are live buddy (laughs) oh well i'm i'm a little bit late to the show this week then sorry about that (laughs) no worries yeah we were in the middle of the uh the lead out news and we had to stop for some breaking news because we had Evan coming in. So yeah. some, some breaking news. Well, good. Cause this is about 10 to 15, 10, 10 minutes worth of breaking news. And then I got to break out. So. Sweet. What you, what you sipping? <laughs> so I was on the plane sipping a ginger ale. Does, does that still count? Does oh, yeah. that carry over right yeah, now? Sure. Sure. You want to back awesome. pedal for us? Yeah, absolutely. So I am uh, sitting in the air, uh, the Atlanta airport right now. Um, getting ready to catch a connector heading out of the, uh, out of the southeast here after doing the Chattanooga 73 Ironman. So, yeah, this was a it was a fun fun weekend. I'll tell you what, it was a blast. So that is that is definitely going to be my backpedal here. Um, you know, as we had talked leading up into this, this was my second uh, pro race of the year. So it was, you know, a lot of build up, a lot of training led up to this, and uh, I was lucky enough to have a ton of support out here. So Cassie came out with me. I'm actually calling in from Cassie's computer. So yeah. nobody give me credit for figuring out Skype here. <laughs> we were. <laughs> we already this, this, we already hammered you thinking he's not going to know how to figure out Skype. <laughs> I was I was assuming you guys were going to be taking bets on the fact that I was not going to be able to figure <laughs> we it out. We did. We did. We did take bets. <laughs> with, with Cassie's help, it, it barely happened. So, <laughs> but yeah, um, so we, uh, the, me and Cassie go, went out to um, uh, Detroit was our connector. And the only reason I'm saying that is because there's a funny story. So we get into the Detroit terminal and uh, our plane, for whatever reason, did not connect well with the gate. Oh. So they delayed us about 20 minutes on the plane, which meant that we got off the plane 10 minutes into boarding for our connector in the Detroit airport. So in our minds, we're like, oh, hopefully we'll get lucky and our connector is going to be just right next door. Or it wasn't. It was three concourses away. So I had to uh, basically get my intervals in for the week and run (laughs) what we figured out was exactly a mile 
basically dead wow. sprinted a mile to make the connector. So <laughs> it was it was a stressful start to the to, to the weekend there. Did you start your garden but, uh, on that mile? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't my, start his Garmin when he rides his bike. No, that's true. Why do it so, the airport? <laughs> so, so I think I think what I'm going to mark that down as a 420 mile mat since I manually <laughs> upload. I'm going to assume. Yeah, manually. I'm going to assume it was yeah. it was it was sub 430 with a backpack on. I'm absolutely, pretty sure. absolutely. <laughs> I think. But yeah, so you know, we 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 get to to Chattanooga, which I love that city, and uh, one of my favorite uh, mechanic buddies who works for um uh he travels and does some stuff with iron man was there and you know we got my bike together and it, it was it was ready to 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 go um and i was lucky enough to have some of my family there my parents my uncle was able to make it down because he lives in tennessee and uh an old friend of mine from ohio lisa nolte was there too so had a big support crew and you know get get going in um in, in the morning and i am a little bit behind in the morning so i had to like cut a line of people at the portalette which i want to like nationally apologize for because god <laughs> i hate those people but i had to be that guy who literally walked through the line and asked everybody individually if i could cut them yeah. like individually i was like can i please cut you thank you <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so we um we jump in the water uh what they do for chattanooga which is interesting because it's a river swim there's this big big current um, and with the pros, they use us as the test dummies to see if the current is too much for the age groupers, basically. Like, it, what, how many, how many pros, if like five pros die, they're like, eh. <laughs> I, think, they're I like, think, I think it was, if I died, they were going to be like, oh, well, if that guy didn't make it, like, then, you no know, no big deal, oh, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, the first 450 meters are upstream. So. As I was talking in transition with some of the other pros, the, the swim is basically decided in the first 450 meters because it is a brutal upstream swim. Um, and of course, as I find out later, they decided after the pro women also really struggled in the upstream that they were just going to make the age grouper swim basically a 0.8 swim dead downstream. Oh so uh, you, you, you had some age groupers coming out in like 15 minutes and, yeah. or faster with really fresh legs. So yeah. <laughs> it was that was a uh, not our case. We had to. Um, I uh, so it was a non wetsuit swim too. So if I could think of oh. a worse swim, yeah, that's not. Good I'd for be you. challenged to come up. No, I would. Be, I'd be challenged to come up with a worse swim for me. So um, no. I tried my best to stay with the group right off the bat, but I got in a bad position and got dropped almost right away. Uh, we got to the first buoy and it was me and a couple other stragglers, and we just kind of had to pace off each other. Uh, coming back in which was tough because that that group in front of us probably put two minutes into us the main group that's what it looked like Um, from the results yeah yeah and it was it was that that's the group i really should have been with you know so so it was not a good swim for me at all um and so you know you get on the bike and it's just i kind of you know got ahead of the stragglers i was with but was basically in no man's land for the rest of the race and kind of got to find out a weakness of mine. The, the the bike rode great. Um, I love it. You know, it's it was a it was a slick ride, but it was rough roads and it was a very punchy sort of course. Mm-hmm. So it was up down up down up down. And I found out that my weakness is very very punchy courses. I was not able to uh, put out the power I needed on those short uh, up uh, uphill sections to really maintain good good average speed. So. You know, I mean, through probably halfway through the the bike, I I was really really feeling discouraged. Like, yeah, I knew I knew I was well off the back. I couldn't see anybody, so I knew that there was you know no group I was chasing at that point. Um, but 
I kind of probably at mile 40, 45 decided, okay, just time to really get a lot of water in, make sure my tr- nutrition was good. And my goal was basically, I just got to run people down at yeah. that point. Cause I knew, I knew the run course was very hard. So in my head, I was like, all right, that's, that's about the only thing I can motivate myself with at this point. So, uh, got, got off the bike. Um, you, you can tell when people cheering for you are only just saying go and not giving you splits to anybody up front that you weren't doing <laughs> <Yep>. too good. <laughs> Still, you, know, you, you know, when you come off and all your awesome, you know, so, so support crews, just like giving you thumbs up and going like, Hey, you're doing great. Finish you, you know, it you're off. probably not. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, I've been there. Um, Luckily for me, I'd seen a couple guys coming um, down the road right out of transition when I came in. So I knew I had some some rabbits to chase after. Yep. Um, and I started the run in the first four or five miles. I was clipping under six pace pretty pretty easy. Wow. Yeah. And it was and one of those miles was a pretty uphill section. So I, I, I knew my, my run legs felt finally felt great as me and you know Matt were talking in detail before the race. I was concerned with my my uh, run fitness coming into to this race because Galveston was such a disappointment there. So, um, you know, basically just got through the half, halfway point and I was being chased by Heather Jackson, who was the women's leader. And I know I'd put a lot of time into her coming into the turnaround. Um, so I knew I was, run, I was at least running well. So the, the second half of the run just picked off a good, uh, a good back portion of the field and placed myself in the middle of the field again. So that's awesome. You know, about the, about the same part of the field that I was in, in, um, in, uh, Galveston. So almost kind of the same result, but just a much, much different way than it was there. It's interesting because you ran pretty well and that's on a difficult run course like that. Yeah. That makes yeah. it, that makes it all yeah. the better. Yeah. Evan ran 120, 120 off yeah. the bike, which is so, just over six minute pace, which, which is on a faster course, like 607 on a faster course. Yeah. That's probably 118. So I think that's, yeah. and that's where you need to be, I think. Exactly. And and good. for for me I was just looking at where that run split places in the field and it was I think the yeah. I think I count I think it was the eighth yeah. I think run out of out of, you know, just under thirty pros. So I was I was really happy with the run and I actually beat a guy who beat me in Galveston who I've been racing a lot. So um I kinda knew that I had placed well in the field by the end of the race and crossed the finish line and I was, I was, I didn't have to be a diva. I didn't have to lay on the ground. I didn't need any. You could have. You should have. I was able to to walk around and drink a Coke and feel fine. So. Now wait, last, last week you guys took bets on uh, what place Evan was going to take. And I believe Mm -hmm. Matt thought you would be top. 10 ninth, ninth yep. place, yeah. Close. Yep. Jake thought it was 16th. 16th. So, 16th. so where did you end up, Evan? 18th. Jake, Jake was oh. by far the closest. Yeah. <laughs> telling you, man. So yeah, it was, it was, uh, as, as I was talking to Matt after the race, I just got to, I, I, I got to figure out how to put all three together, but I took the positives for this one was that I put a run together that felt great and honestly pretty comfortable the whole time. I never felt like it was that hard out there. So nice. Good. Yep. What's the next race on your schedule? Um, I'll be doing, most likely we'll be doing the Blue Lake Triathlon here. Uh, Blue Lake PDX Triathlon coming up in, what is that, Matt? Two weeks? Yep, two weeks, which that one almost doesn't count for you. but Do they have a pro category there? Yeah. No? So just... um, no, but there there may be a couple guys who actually show up who, oh, really? who are pro. So, okay. yep. Yep. Matt, mm-hmm. are you going to be out there doing that one as well? Yep, that's my plan. Sweet. Do my first triathlon of the season. Yeah. See how that goes. Jake, are you going to be out there doing that 
Blue Lake Triathlon. Yeah, yeah I'll be taking all kinds of pictures, oh, probably. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Evan, if you had to give yep. us like a top three <laughs> takeaway from this race, what would that be? Top three. So going into my next uh, pro race, which will be Boulder, Colorado, which yeah. is the first weekend in August, mm-hmm. um, I need to really hone in some specifics with my swim, uh, being kick power and really um, – uh, get out speed is, is going to be the most important thing in the swim. Uh, outside of that, I got to start riding some more punchy courses. Um, I got to really start, you know, really committing to some harder group rides and going out there and really, you know, trying to hang on to people like Jake and Lance's wheel when, when the course gets punchy. So a little bit more power development and then just, you know, keep on running like I have been. I think the run, I just got to stay consistent with. So those are the, those are my top three, I'd say. Good. That's uh, I like that. Yep. That's stuff that we can help you with, man. I'm excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say that's that's everybody plays a role in that, not just not just me, because I'll tell you what this uh, this this race taught me that there is still a lot to learn, a ton to learn. Gotcha. Where uh, uh, you probably already said this, but um, where exactly are you right now? I am sitting at Terminal A28 in the Atlanta airport, getting ready to head out to Portland here soon. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yep. Right on. Any there was questions? no running. Yeah. There was, there was no running this time around. So. Nice. Any questions for us before we let you go? I, I just can't wait to see you guys all again. And, and Jake, when we put the bike back together, we can get you and me some good fit numbers on there because I, I think you're going to really like the ride. It is uh, it is a smooth yeah. ride. <laughs> well, that ought to be fun, my friend. All right, oh, man. Oh, yeah. Cool. Well, do um, you guys have anything else for Evan before we let him go? Congrats on the race, dude. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Looking forward to seeing you when you get back. Yep. Thanks, guys. Can't wait to see you. And I will be back on Monday, next Monday. Yeah, and tell uh, Cassie thanks for running tech support for you. <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> we owe her one. <laughs> right on, buddy. All right, yep. well, fly safe. We'll see you soon. And uh, congratulations again. All right. Cheers, nice guys. Thank you. you. All right. Back to our news real quick. Uh, <laughs> that was cool that he was able to call in. I'm glad that Cassie was there to help him out. Um, Good for him. Yeah. The, the last little news bit I wanted to bring up will be the um, an article that I ran across that came out not too long ago. Um, four ways that cursing can make you a better cyclist. <laughs> oh, man. We I saw that. this little pop-up in this little news feed that I, I check, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. So um, instead of this being news, I'm going to use this as a little segue to get into our topic for today, and that is the top 10 ish um ish. obvious and not so obvious things that you can do to make yourself faster on a bike so um we've kind of all come up with our lists here and it might be 10 it might be less it might be 20 i don't know but we're going to go through these 10 things and then i'll go ahead and start with that article that i was talking about um so cuss more that means that <laughs> yeah. makes you go faster yeah it, it's funny because it, it goes through all the different like reasons and it, it talks about like you know how it helps you out psychology psychologically speaking so the first one is is like when you're really suffering and you're having pain and you start cursing it's like a uh it's like a numbing effect when you're able to like have that that <laughs> explicative come out of your mouth yeah um, I had like a parent friend and they were like, yeah, my kid, you know, they had read something similar to this and they were like, you know, their kid will like hurt themselves or, you know, hurt themselves really bad and be like, permission to cuss, you know, ask their parents and they're like, go ahead and they'll just like let it fly. And I thought that was the funniest thing, like permission to cuss. <laughs> permission to cuss. I love that. I'm thinking like totally going to let my kids have some sort of similar like permission to cuss. 
<laughs> so um, that was the first one is it kills pain. Um, the second one says that it makes you stronger. And I think part of that is that there's just like a, a core contraction when you really yeah. let out a big like, ah, you know, like yeah. you kind of like um, harness your whole core section and then like everything kind of like musters up and it kind of gets your adrenaline pumping too, which will give you a little bit more uh, strength as well. Um, the next one was it makes you feel better about getting dropped. <laughs> so <laughs> kind of numbs that whole, I just got dropped. Grumble, 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 grumble. So, um, and then the last one, it uh, makes you feel in control. So would you guys agree with any of this stuff? I don't know. Who knows? I mean, if you didn't know what curse words were, would, would something similar that's not necessarily a curse word still qualify? You know, I mean, I feel like language is weird this way. And this wasn't just a thing that people said. They've actually got scientific research yeah, that no. they put into this stuff. Like the, the swearing makes you stronger bit. And it says, to prove it, researchers put a group of exercisers through two tests of, of power, uh, a Wingate anaerobic power test, um, a.k.a. the vomit-inducing 30-second max power test on a special <laughs> stationary bike, and a 10-second uh, handheld grip strength test. Um, so they, they put people through there, and the participants produced nearly 25 more watts on the the power test that's crazy and i'm gonna start cussing in the middle of races <laughs> and they increased it was a 4.5 pounds of crushing force with their hands when they were swearing up a storm i thought that was pretty comical yet like yeah i i'm i generally don't cuss a lot i just no. it's like i've still to this day i've never cussed in front of my i mean i've it, it comes out from time to time when, yeah. when something happens but like i've never cussed in front of my parents yeah you know, and i we we seldom here at home and whatnot and it's not that i don't like it but there's sometimes it just comes out and it, you know, sometimes it's funny sometimes you're a little upset and it's just that's just kind of the way that i would i've always been but i'm reading this i'm like maybe i need to start cussing more <laughs> so mid-race i think probably people are gonna <laughs> beep, be like, beep, 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 i believe, I believe there's a there's a cussing <coughs> rule in obra you can actually get dq'd yeah. for a race it, for cussing it, usac is the same way yeah. um you know it oh see i actually made a note of this um <laughs> lance i don't see you cussing a lot in in races um, only if I'm about to, my head's about yeah. to meet the pavement, yeah. Yeah. you'll hear some cuss words. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, you guys get the gist of it. It's just not good sportsmanship in general. And I think that there's usually a better way to communicate yourself, but sometimes I, I think that there, there might be a, a, I don't know, a way to, to utilize that, but maybe we can come up with some other funny terminology so that we don't yeah. get DQ'd in a race. <laughs> like fudge sickles, cheese and crackers, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> beans and rice. <laughs> so... Anyway. Cussing is the, uh, it's how a weak mind expresses itself forcibly. Yeah. That's, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. There's better things to do than cussing. Yep. <laughs> so I guess I'm just going to go slower. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got any, uh, little, little tips or tricks for making us faster? Yeah. Obvious um, or not obvious? Okay. The real obvious one is, uh, suffer more. Yeah, be willing to suffer. Come on, man, that's that's <laughs> you horrible. Will go faster if you suffer. No more. one wants. No one wants to hurt. Okay, so here's the one that's not so obvious. Um, scoot your butt back in the seat for and when put, you're climbing, and put your hands in the drops. Oh man, you don't you don't think about that. I guess sometimes you get so used to. I get so used to riding on the hoods. Um, a because I have back issues, and B because that's where I do. It's easy for me to shift from the hoods. Yep. Mm -hmm. But you will go faster if you scoot your butt back just a little bit and put your hands in the drops. I'm notorious for being terrible about that when it comes to a sprint situation. 
I am forget to put your hands in the drops. Going to, to the drops. I don't sprint from the drops. I always sprint from the hoods and I just bend my elbows a little bit more and get myself down a little bit more. But every time there's a race photo that comes out and it's always the same person that brings me out. Damn it, Von During. Get in the <laughs> Ian Gibson yells at me every single time. And it was funny because we had um, Hayden Wehrman was in <laughs> yeah, a sprint against uh, somebody. And it, it was like it was like a photo finish. And Hayden was uh, up on the hoods riding just like me. I'm like, that's a boy after my own heart right there. And it was Calvin Steele who he was uh, racing against. And Calvin had like perfect form in the drops and had the, even the, the, the scowl on his face. Like, and Hayden had this big He's smile. He's up on the hoods kind of upright a little bit more. I'm like, no, Hayden won. <laughs> right so oh. anyway he would have won by a full wheel instead of yeah. half a wheel exactly. if he did in the drops <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one aerodynamics Matt can oh man yeah we talked about aerodynamics for yeah. days sure i can bring an aerodynamic piece into the puzzle here throw a couple at us uh loose clothing for sure you know one thing that's nice about our our bike team our, our kit is pretty nice and tight and it's pretty you know anything that's tight like that is gonna be aerodynamic yep the club fit stuff i mean that costs you a lot of wattage like you know over a decent you know, depends on how far you're going but it's it's amazing it's how much that, around if it's flapping around it's bad news so okay. do you have some numbers for us this uh, this just well, this just happened in the giro actually did it really yeah so there was they had a really really wet day like three mm-hmm. days ago it like 40 degrees and raining the whole time for a 140 mile stage and it came down to the very end um and everybody still had rain jackets on or vests or they still had a lot of their rain gear on right and one guy had stripped down to his jersey guess who won the sprint yeah nice yeah the guy who had stripped down now of course he had Power, and power, I can't power helps too. Power helps yeah. too. But I mean, but he was the only. He beat. He beat like Viviani, the Italian right. guy, or Gaviria. Um, I, I, he might have been. He, he obviously he beat both of them, but he was he like out sprinted him just at the end because he was in his race gear. And it can not, be it can be ten watts, but it can be forty watts. It can be oh, huge. Wow. So but it depends on the garment that you're talking about and stuff like that. The specialized did a, um, they have like specialized has like a YouTube channel and they did, they have this thing called like arrow is everything. And they have a wind tunnel and they do some of these tests and they have a, they do have a video where they talk about the difference between a club fit and, um, more of like a, a race fit Jersey. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the exact numbers that they had for that, but it's significant time savings. They usually give time savings over a 40 K time trial type distance. So like so, an hour effort. Yeah. And so it's, it's, you know, you'll save a significant amount of time just by using tighter clothes. I did that video That's a long right. time you ago. A, you did a, and I YouTube did like video a, a shirt and shorts versus a speed suit. And I went a lot shorter. I didn't do 40 K and it was ridiculous. Like you end up saving like a minute over eight miles or something. Right. It I mean, was, was a lot really of time. significant. Yeah. And that was pretty extreme, right? Like t-shirt and shorts were pretty bad. You know, that kind of stuff is like, but you know, it's, it's not that hard to get, you know, stuff that fits in, you know, if you're a little uncomfortable wearing something tight, I get it. I totally understand. But just think of the time savings that you get for free just by wearing something tighter. Yeah. Don't the flappy flapping stuff in the wind is bad. Yeah. It's like, you know, shaving legs. They did a, yeah. a wind tunnel um, yeah. study on that as well. And it ended it's, up being over 40 K. Wasn't it something like eight or 10 seconds? Oh, it was more time. than that. I think it was um, just for shaving. 20 seconds. It was a significant amount yeah. of time just for shaving your legs. Yeah, it sounds stupid. You're like, how is that even possible? But I mean, they've backed it up with science. That yeah. And it, that one was one of them. They called it like, depending on how hairy your legs are, and they called it the Chewbacca scale. 
it was depending on how much time you would save. But yeah, I mean, it was like 20 or 40 seconds. It was absolutely ridiculous. Wow. Gotcha. Uh, and then shaving your arms was a lot less. But there were still savings for shaving your arms. Lance, you want to? Nope. You have your legs shaved though, right? <laughs> My legs are like shaved. The yeah. first, the first like forty episodes of our podcast was always the debate over whether Lance <laughs> should shave or not. Oh. Yeah, I've been converted. Oh no, gotcha. There is an article that came out recently that talked about cadence, and yeah. there has always been this, um, or at least since like the Lance area, that we need to be rolling at a cadence that's um, pretty high. Um, they're talking about ninety-five to hundred plus cadence, and for some people. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of people were trying to push that that direction. And for some people, they just can't do it. It doesn't feel natural. It feels artificial for them. Um, well, they started doing a little bit more research on this, and it it came out that um, the 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 cadence that people should be at for the most optimized amount of power and um, you know output and speed in return is closer to eighty one which is oh. that that's quite a bit lower than yeah. what people have been preaching for the last like five to 10 years. And when you think about it, it kind of makes sense. Now there are times where you're like in a, a sprint situation or you're really trying to, to mash up and you're trying to catch up to a break or something like that. I find myself being in that 95 to hundred and that, that feels right to me, but just to go out and be riding around and always maintaining a cadence that's 95 to a hundred feels like it's a little bit forced and I, I haven't been paying as close attention to it, but after I read this article and I knew that it was something we could talk about right now, I went back and started looking at some of my profiles and a lot of my cadence is right between 82, 83, 84. Really? So I'm like, all right. And, and there's a lot of science that went into this because, um, you know, they, they, they had a bunch of cyclists, they, they did a bunch of studies and they, they, uh, were doing different tests and they were just trying to figure out what the most optimal number was. Um, and they landed on that 81 RPMs. Um, when you start getting into like that artificially, um, you know, making circles just to make circles, your heart rate gets much more elevated. Um, you're engaging your your muscles more, so you're you're burning them out a little bit more. Um, I, I know that it's going to be for some people they're going to probably debate this maybe they are you know naturally gifted at, at having a little bit higher of a cadence maybe that works for them but i think on the whole um it, it does make sense to be a little bit lower on the cadence side um they i think that they found that your muscles were most efficient at 60 rpms but that's not necessarily a situation that you want to be at um because you're not going to be able to have the optimal power um that you're going to need to to get your your speed up so I, I don't know. Do, what what are your do you do you pay attention to your numbers, your cadence numbers? I, um, I I it used to be a very big deal to me when I did triathlon, mm -hmm. but I don't even have it up on right. any of my screens for my cycling dynamics. It's funny. Um, on my 120 mile ride on Saturday. Guess what my average cadence was? Uh, let me guess. 82. 82. Yep. Nailed. I I have no idea. <laughs> I promise I did not look at your. It was 82. That's crazy. That I guess that. Yeah. Well, I was gonna guess. I was like maybe 78. Like it's probably. I was thinking like something low. <laughs> but here's the thing. I think that cadence for sure. You know, it's like I see a lot of triathletes and things like that. They'll go lower cadence and things like that, and that, that seems to work. I think people probably need to focus on doing some cadence drills because you want to be able to, just like anything else, you want to have the ability to you know, that quiver in the arsenal where it's like, you, yes. you need to be able to do like, you don't want 120 to feel super insane because, you know, sometimes you'll sprint and you'll need to be able to yeah, roll right. those you know, games that, that, that fast. And it absolutely is really fast to go to have that turnover. So don't stress. I, I think people shouldn't stress if their numbers are 82 or 78 or whatever it is. Um, 
or you know, or they hit this segment and they went 120 or whatever it is. I think those things are all fine and dandy. You know, I think 90 is kind of like that mark that people kind of. I, I don't. I don't race at 90. Like I just don't do that. I end up racing at like 80. Yeah. Um, and it's just because you're doing. You're if you're out there for a long time, and I'm not sprinting at all. I'm not doing anything where I ramp up the cadence very much at all. So it's, and I know some pro triathletes, same kind of thing where they're like, Hey, you guys should second guess that 90 you know, RPM rule. You should back it off a little bit. You know, just second guess it. Like, don't think that there's a specific number. Like it's a number that's natural to you, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do cadence drills Correct. Uh, because then you're just limiting yourself to like one specific cadence. That's the only one that you can handle. Um, and I should probably do more cadence drills too, because I don't usually do. Yeah, them, it, it, it has its place I mean, yeah, for the muscle yeah. fiber recruitment and for your body yeah. to feel that, that motion. Um, that's great. But I mean, again, if you're seeing your heart rate soar and you're seeing your efficiency drop by just like saying right. like, every time I go out, my cadence, no matter what I'm doing needs to be 95, 97, 98, yeah. whatever it is. Um, that that's not necessarily where you need to be. Um, right. yeah. yeah, but there's a time and place for it. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah, drills, cadence drills, I think are good. I think we should definitely, you know, we should probably talk about cadence drills sometime. Maybe we'll do a podcast and sure. roll yeah. through something like that. That could be good. <laughs> be fun. Lance, you got another one? Um, yeah. When you're are when you're descending, it is much faster if you tuck your elbows in and yeah. tuck your knees in towards your bike frame mm-hmm. a little bit. Not being such so wide stance, but you tuck things in. Um. I, I, it's it's really popular to sit on the top tube on big descents and yeah. some people can do that and some people are just way too squirrely you you are much less you can't control your bike as well when you're sitting on the top tube shouldn't we just not recommend people do that um yeah <laughs> yeah but you guys probably will do it i do it all the time okay you know if of course you, you do of course you do you have a death it wish. just takes <laughs> one little speed wish. it just takes one little speed wobble and it's so hard given the position that you're in to correct that that you're gonna now lose control of the bike but the bike's still going to be propelled forward and if you're on the bike and it's traveling forward as opposed to you just going down yeah. you're, you're if you just go down you're going to slow yourself down a lot faster as opposed to being on this bike that's still going to be rolling and you're just like kind of draped on it and dragging a foot and hands over the bars that bike's going to go into something and that yeah. that could very well end your life and and i have a sneaking suspicion that's yeah. why we lost a good friend of it's ours possible yeah mm-hmm. so um I, I i'm not saying that he was riding on the bar i think that he was stuck on the bike, but I, I, I don't want to say that he was, yeah. he would never go down the hill like that. That's just not his MO. That's not something he never did, but riding on that top tube, I just don't think it's a good idea unless you're a paid pro that's going to go out there and make millions of dollars. That's got a coach that's going to work with you on it. And you, you feel uber comfortable being in that position. So I don't even think the pros work on it that much. I think they just do it when it's like when it hap- needs to when happen, it happens. Yeah. you know, I don't know. That'd be interesting to know. If the risk actually... to reward for them is pretty great, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a huge aerodynamic advantage to that position. It's just super unsafe. It's so. what Lance said, like narrow and down low. Narrow and down yeah. low. And if at you... least your hand's in the drops. Yeah. Your head is low head as you can get thing. it. Yeah. And make make your whole you know, profile as small as possible. Yeah. That means tucking in your elbows, tucking in your knees, yep. too. Yeah. Yeah. Be a little bit heavier. And you can do part. You, <laughs> yeah. The other thing, the takeaway from that is like, you know, you don't have to get on the top tube. You can still make your elbows narrow and you can actually get your head at a certain position where it's a little bit more in line with your body and it's not sticking straight up, you know, uh, because that head is a big, you know, it's frontal part of the bike and it's, yeah. it's a big, big piece of drag. So that's why aero helmets are super beneficial compared to a lot of the other things for the price. Gotcha. Throw another one our way, Mr. Matt. Okay. I have one for you. 
cleaning your drivetrain and cleaning your bike. Again, this is another one where I don't have numbers for it because it depends on how dirty and mucked up things are. But if your drivetrain is dirty, you're putting all this power through that drivetrain and it's, it's, you know, being wasted. It's being wasted by like gunked up jockey wheels and like a gunked up chain and all that stuff. You need to keep all that stuff clean, especially when you're racing, uh, because it's, you know, it's much more efficient to have a clean drivetrain. So, um, that one I think is overlooked. I think people, you know, they'll race, you know, whatever it is. And they're like, yeah, I've been, you know, I, why would I clean my bike? It's, it's fine. You know, I, right. I rode it, I rode it yesterday. It was fine. And nope, nope. Try and keep it clean. You gotta keep it clean. Yeah. And you can, there's other things too with that. Like there are certain things like certain ways to manage your bike chain that are faster than other ways to manage bike chain. In particular, there are certain bike chain lubricants that are faster than other bike chain lubricants. So after you guys have done a really good job cleaning your drivetrain, you may just, you know, it might just be like something simple, like picking one chain bike lubricant over another one. Um, and it can be 10 Watts difference, which really? is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Yeah. There's some really slow bike chain lubricants out there. Um, the best place to look, if you're really interested in this stuff, you guys can search for like friction facts, which is a company that used to exist, but got purchased by ceramic speed, which is a German company that does um, ceramic bearings and things like that. Uh, but you know, basically what they did is they did a whole bunch of studies and what they found out was that chain lubricants that, um, were using like a paraffin wax base, uh, ended up being significantly faster than, you know, other chain lubricants. Uh, and it's free speed. So in a lot of the times it's the price difference isn't that much of a yeah. difference to, you know, pick a one chain lubricant over the other one. So you might as well pick the fast one. Fast one. Um, and that, I think you guys should definitely, you know, consider that the other big thing would be like, you know, if you have a lot more time, like waxing your chain ends up being really, really fast. And that's pretty fun too. Cause the, you know, it really kind of stays cleaner and it's dry. Um, it's a little more process intensive, takes time to do that, but it's fast. Um, there's some, there's some other things. There's a company called Molten Speed Wax um, that makes a particular type of wax. And you know what it is, paraffin wax. And largely it's paraffin wax. And then they have a couple of other very small little pieces. And it's like Teflon, like the stuff that you would oh, you know, really? used to see. Yep, that was one of the ingredients in there. And there's there's maybe like one other ingredient in there. And I can't remember it off the top of my head. But um, it's pretty simple formula to do these things. Uh, but these are like the fastest, you know, the ways to make your drivetrain the absolute fastest and a lot of time trialers and things like that will definitely use molten speed wax to wax their chains and things like that. You can just use like cooking paraffin wax and you can do it really it's super fast. And that's, that's like what, like a dollar or two at the grocery right. store. It's but super you cheap. have to melt it and melt then it. you put your totally chain in completely yep. clean your chain yep. and then you drop it in the melted wax. Yep. Yep. And then you pull it out and let it dry yep. all the way. And, and then, then you, when you rub off all the excess. Well, you can just put it right on your bike and you can spin it and it'll just go flying everywhere. You kind of want to do it like out of your house so you don't have paraffin <laughs> wax flying in, you know, in your house or anything like that. Um, and that lasts a long time. It's pretty nice. Uh, How does it do with road grime? Does it pick up a lot of no, that or is it no, because it's, off not, well? it's not wet. Yeah. So it doesn't pick up as much stuff. Uh, and yeah. a lot of times anything that does pick up gets flaked off because it's just like a wax piece that just gets flaked off. Um, and there's other things too, like there are companies that can, um, go in and, and take your drivetrain components and put like a, you know, a, some basically a coating on it, but it's the same kind of thing. It's like Teflon slash 
um, you know, paraffin wax type stuff and they, they'll coat your components and that stuff helps with, you know, wear and tear the components. But it's the main thing is the speed is how much faster it is. Oh, really? So, <laughs> yeah. So that would be something for you guys to look at. And you can just, you know, one thing you can do is just look at like, if you don't want to do all this waxing stuff, which most of you guys don't, um, just look at the fast, fast chain lubricants. One that I usually suggest is squirt. squirt it's yeah. called squirt and it's good. It's basically it comes out white and it's probably because it's largely paraffin wax and does pretty well. The other one is I think gold. What is that? There's one that's called like, ah, shoot. I lost the name of it. It was, I think it's something gold. Anyway, there's another one that's good. Um, but I think squirt's probably a good, easy one to pick up. I switched over to that after your video. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely do a lot of videos like this on YouTube, you know, talking about, um, ways to do free speed. So, um, rock and roll gold, rock and roll gold. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And that one's a little more liquidy and stuff like that, but yeah, I switched to squirt after watching you? your video. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, why not? Right. It's yeah. like, it's like <laughs> you're, just, you're gonna pay, you're gonna pay for something. You might as well use this, you know? Yep. Gotcha. All right. I've got another one. Um, this one's probably pretty obvious for a lot of folks, but some people just don't think about it. Just a bike fit. Absolutely. Get a bike fit. Um, and there's a, a, it's not just the aerodynamics of it all. It's a matter of putting yourself in the optimal position. Yep so that your the length tension relationship between like your muscles and the joints right. um, are able to um, develop and, and produce the optimal amount of power to make yourself go fast, but not only for a short period of time, but for a long right. period of time. So if you're too squatted on the bike, yeah. you're going to use way too much quad, which you're going to be able to generate a, a fair amount of force, but right. for a shorter period of time, that's going to eventually give out on you and you're going to either start cramping, you're going to be fatigued or what have you. So that that's going to really take away from your speed. So if you get that right fit, yeah, it makes a big difference. You know what I think too is like people overlook like how important it is to be comfortable on the bike. Oh yeah. And it's like, oh, I know this is faster, but like you, if you're doing anything, I mean, if you're bike, like if you're biking, biking is an endurance sport. Correct. Like you need to, I mean, what's, what's a road race that you would do? What, what distance? 40, 50 miles? On the shorter side. Yeah. I mean, that's still what, like, I mean, if you guys are really flying, how fast, I mean, what does that take you? Two hours, hour and a half? Somewhere around there. Yeah. So it's like, depends on that's elevation, a long yeah. time to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Like your position on the bike is important. And if you're comfortable, you'll be, you'll feel better when you need to go for the sprint, when you need to do some of these things. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, in my little triathlon brain, I'm always thinking like, okay, well, you know, might be a five hour bike ride you have to be comfortable. Like it just doesn't make any sense not to be comfortable. So bike fit Mm -hmm. is way more important than I think people realize. Yeah. It's uh, for you in particular, I think it pays for itself in spades. It's just one of those things that you have to do Uh, for the road bike scene. People, it's pretty easy to get somebody in a a good position pretty quickly. And then over the course of time, you can get them a little bit more aggressive as they become more acclimated to the fit. Um, Because yes, aerodynamics are going to play a a point there. Um, You know, if you're riding on a, an endurance based bike that's more of a relaxed geometry yeah. that's got you more upright, you're going to catch a lot more wind that's going to slow you down. If you go out and race with a bunch or ride around with a bunch of racer guys that are right. on more aggressive bikes, they're going to be a lot more aerodynamic. And yes, that's going to play a big part. But um, if you can at least get the fit right so that you're in a comfortable position so that you can generate the most watts yeah. and then over the course of time work on becoming more um, adapt to being in a more aggressive position that's going to be um, a, a win for you because you're going to still produce those watts. You're going to be more aerodynamic. And the, the equation is that you're going to be faster. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. It's um, sometimes they'll find that if you're if you actually will come like, and this is more TT specific, but if you'll actually come up with the arrow bars, um, that you can get your head in a better position and things like that, and you can still stay more narrow and things like that, and then your power is good and things like that. So, it's not always lower is better, but some you know for some parts they're definitely a a benefit to being low. Um, to speak to that, uh, Michael Myers again. This will be the second time we've referenced his name. Um, before he passed away. He had like a, a bucket list thing that he wanted to do. He um, signed up, paid for, went down and did the whole uh, wind tunnel testing down in San Diego. Took yeah. his TT bike down there, his speed suit, and he you know had everything, all of his um, speed related aerodynamic stuff. Got to go in the wind tunnel, and he had his position set up to where he was pretty much slammed. I mean, right. you weren't able to get much lower, and you're looking at him like, man, you're so low, you, you can't get any more aerodynamic than you are right there. Well, through the process of going through the wind tunnel, he actually learned that they needed to raise him up, and it wasn't just a little bit. It was a lot. I I want to say it was something like 20 mils or 25 millimeters that he came up, and that's a significant amount of stack height to come up. Um, So that was more aerodynamic, and it was more comfortable for him, and he said that he felt like he could go harder and produce even more watts, and he was in a more comfortable position, so that was kind of a, a neat thing to learn. Yeah. Man, that's cool. Yeah. So, Lance, get more. Um, if if you need just one bottle on a ride, it, it's uh, it's actually more aerodynamic if your bottle's on your seat tube yeah. instead of your down tube. So it, it's not a whole lot, but it's and it depends know, a little bit on little which bit. bike you have too, because some of the bikes are now shaping their frames, you know, to kind of encompass bike bottles and things yeah. like that. Like BMC's doing a good job with that. Yep. But um, but if it's on your seat tube the wind basically has to go wide to go around that bottle and then it basically it the wind's already broken and it's wide and it goes you know basically around the whole base of the tire before having to because you know on the front it's a little bit further up and it so it goes around that circle and then it closes up and then it goes around again again so yeah there there are certain places where you know it's slightly faster to do this versus this and where to place water bottles and things like that on the tt bike i usually tell people between the arms can actually be this is it's crazy i have i talked about this in the podcast yeah, before yeah. yeah but bring it up again it was a good one it's um but on the tt bike between the arms can fill in the space between your arms and make you faster which is crazy it's like you're gonna add a water bottle to your bike and you're gonna be faster be than faster. if you didn't have it um and so i've kind of gotten used to having a water bottle kind of like right in between my arms and i think you know it again this is pretty particular stuff like if it's tested a certain way it's faster it needs to be like level with your arms and all this other stuff so the way i have it set up might not be right because i haven't done any wind tunnel testing but that would be super fun to someday do a wind tunnel test yeah Yeah. that'd be fantastic yeah matt you got another one sure um have we talked oh so um i'll do two two things that are related um we talk all the time about like we went with the group ride, we had these flats and then we had another flat and blah, blah, blah. There are certain tires that are faster than other tires. And then there are other tires that are, you know, absolutely much more resilient and can handle, um, debris in the road, uh, and just can handle like flat protection is the way we usually describe it. Um, and they're not necessarily, um, the same tires. So, uh, when you're picking out a tire, you really kind of want to find that balance of like, where's the tire, you know, which tire do I want to pick? That's going to be fast enough that I'm going to race with. And this is going to work well for me. Um, versus like the tire that's going to be the absolute safest tire on the road. I think that those are the two kind of pieces of the puzzle to, to really consider when picking out a tire. 
uh, a lot of times if you're doing like a time trial or something like that, or you know the road conditions are good, you can have a certain tire that isn't quite as safe and you should be significantly faster. A couple of things like you can be rolling resistance can be faster on a tire or the aerodynamics actually can be faster on a tire. Um, so there's, there's a couple pieces of the puzzle that way. Um, and then the other side of it is like, if you have to stop and change a flat, you know, what is that? Five minutes, Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's, that's pretty slow. So, um, I think right now on one bike, I have like gator skin tires on the front and, you know, I, I have a weird assessment of tires, but I'll probably go for something kind of in between, you know, a tire that has good rolling resistance, decent aerodynamics and has some flat protection. So it won't be like the fastest tire yeah. on the market. It's kind of nice though to have those gator skins because if you're training yeah. through the winter time and yeah. where we live, notoriously the roads are like they've got a lot more debris and junk yeah. in them in the winter time. Um, and if you're riding out there, that's going to be you right. changing less flat tires, yep. and it's going to be you putting down a little bit more extra wattage and Which work to make the it's it's natural resistance. Yeah. Springtime rolls around and roads get cleaned up miraculously, yep. and all of a sudden you put on a faster rolling tire. Yeah, all of a sudden you're like. Holy cow, nice. <laughs> I'm going quite a bit faster. I like this. This is nice. And I think all of us, I mean, if you have gator skins on your tire and you're, you're really worried about them being slow, they are. And just, you know, for your race, potentially consider switching. It's not yeah. that expensive to switch tires considering no. what, you know, all the bike stuff, all the fees and things. They had this pro triathlete a while back and he did Kona and he used gator skin tires. Really? And he got second place overall. Wow. And they ran the numbers and they were like, Hey, if you'd switch to just, and I think they were said like, if you had just switched to the continental 4000s, which still have flat protection stuff Uh that he was, would have been 10 minutes faster. What? Yeah. Yeah. The gator skins are really slow. Um, (laughs) They're not, I mean, they're great tires. Like yeah. I, that's what I use. I love the gator. I, I use them all winter long. Yeah. I love yeah. those tires, yeah. but they're not fast. Uh, and so I, I mean, I felt really bad for him cause it's just like that 10 you know, minutes. Was that the difference between first and second place? I think it would have made him first. Yeah. Wow. At that point. Yeah. Cause 10 minutes is a lot of time. Crazy. And who knows? The race could have unfolded differently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's one of those crazy wow. stories. And there's, I mean, and, and that's just like a medium tire. There are other tires that are even faster. So, gotcha. you know. All right, here's another little one. Let's talk about your ankles. So when you're riding, you get your pedal stroke. Okay. And if you dorsiflex, i.e. bringing up your toes towards your your shin, um, that's your dorsiflexion. If you get into dorsiflexion, um, your pedaling efficiency goes down by 3%, and you actually expend 37% more energy through your calves Hmm. by um, trying to produce the same amount of watts. Um, by going through your pedal stroke, as opposed to just getting your ankle back into a neutral position right. or slightly plantar flex, meaning pushing your toes down towards the ground. Interesting. Um, those are some some numbers that a lot of people that are new to the sport when they first come in will um, their toes will come up a lot more. And a lot of times, another thing that they're doing that they don't realize is they're getting a lot of flex in their shoe. That's why we like to have like these really stiff carbon fiber soles right. so you get good power transfer as opposed to having the sole where like if you're wearing a pair, pair of tennis shoes on some flats and the tennis shoes are bending, you're losing a lot of energy there. So if yeah. we can um, get rid of that flex by wearing low grade shoes or yeah. tennis shoes in general, clip in to a clipless set of pedals with a good carbon fiber sole, keeping our ankle neutral to slightly plantar flexed, um, we're going to... Be get more, more speed. We're going to be more efficient. We're going to get more speed out of our um, pedal stroke. Interesting. So it's kind of a wow. 
little the factoid for you. I, I can't dorsiflex my right foot. I still have drop foot on my, <laughs> on my right foot. So maybe that's why my cycling has been going. Yeah, that's better. why you're crushing it. <laughs> that has gotten tremendously better, though, for you, correct? It's it's improved about 50%, but it still is an issue. Yeah. Yeah, your uh, your ankle and my shoulder should get together. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Go to physical therapy or something or learn how to work again. Right. So, Lance, get another one for us. Um, what about tire pressure? Ooh, that was my next one too. Oh, I was look at that. talking about tires yeah. and stuff like that. I was going to say tire pressure. Let's just sunk your battleship. <laughs> that, that's perfect. I'm glad we're on the same wavelength. So, um, I was going to bring up the idea of tire pressure and have Matt talk about it. Oh, <laughs> because it's, I know it's a, it's interesting. It's a big deal. You know, so, um, so they do these tests on, on tires to figure out like rolling resistance and things like that. And they used to do them on these like flat, like perfectly flat drums uh, that would spin and they put a tire on there and they would pump it up a little bit and it would have, you know, less rolling resistance, you know, because basically there's less tire. If you imagine, um, you know, a deflated tire, it's going to have more surface area on the spread out. It's going to spread out. And so they did these tests and they would say, you know, we pump it up to 80 PSI, let's just say. And the tire pressure would, you know, the rolling resistance would get better. And then they would pump it up some more. So up to 100 PSI. You know, you have a smaller contact patch on that little drum. You know, lo and behold, rolling resistance would get better. They pump it up to 120. Right. Uh, rolling resistance would still get better. And so they kept going up and up and up. And basically until they blew the tire, rolling resistance would come down as tire pressure went up. And so the rule of thumb, you know, like everyone back then was driving, you know, riding those pretty thin tires and things like that. The rule of thumb was like high tire pressure. That's the fastest. Like that's how you go fast. Uh, And it turns out that the test that they were doing wasn't that great because basically you had this perfectly smooth drum and roads don't act like that. No roads aren't like that. Right. And it turns out that it's, it's even crazier because they were, they kind of saw, okay, here's how the data looks when you're in the lab and you're doing this thing, but we're going to Perry Roubaix and we're seeing basically the exact opposite, like absolutely the opposite as tire pressure decreases every single time the pro athlete would come through that particular coupled section faster. They'd go um, lower tire pressure, go through faster, lower tire pressure, come to the next thing, kept going faster every single time until wheel failure, boom, like blow the, like destroy the carbon wheel, right? Or whatever wheel it is, right? And so um, what happens is when you have rough roads, and this is probably hard to describe on radio, but you can imagine that um, if you zoomed in on a tire and it was going over a rock, basically if you have really high tire pressure, it's going to have to lift the whole front tire and the bike's you know weight and the person on top of the bike's weight. So it's all this weight. It's combined weight of whatever it is. You know, it could be 200 pounds, right? So all that weight has to go up and over this theoretical rock, right, or cobblestone or whatever it is. So you have this bump, all that pressure, you know, all that wasted energy is going up. It's not sending you forward, which is the direction that you want to go. Um, but as you lower your tire pressure, your tire basically handles the, all of that for you, all of that force. So you can basically kind of like engulf the rock, you know, if you have your tire pressure set correctly. And so now what they've done is they've done some of these similar kind of barrel tests and things like that, but they've kind of like roughed the surface up. And what they've noticed is depending on how rough that surface is, there's a sweet spot 
And you want, you know, so it's that same thing. It's that same curve. It's like as you increase tire pressure, rolling resistance gets better and better and better. And then all of a sudden you start going, you have that kind of spot, this like this, you know, it's basically a V in the graph where all of a sudden you spike upward. Rolling resistance gets really crappy because you're going, you're basically going up against gravity as you hit some sort of like oh. rough surface item. And so the real tricky part is that means that there's not some magic, you know, tire pressure for Lance or Jake or me. It's going to depend largely on a couple of things, which it would be like your, you know, your personal weight and the surface area of the road that you're on yeah. and the actual tire, like the volume of the tire, like wider tires, you know, can actually kind of handle less pressure than smaller tires and yeah. things like that. So there's all these little factors that you kind of have to like add up to figure out what might be the best ideal tire pressure for you. And I think I did a video of this a while ago. And so what I did was I kind of said like, here's some, here's some numbers and you can kind of try to figure out what's best for you. Um, but what you want to do is err on the smaller side. Um, so less tire pressure as opposed to err on the higher side, because you know, the, the consequences of being like higher tire pressure versus lower tire. It's such, it's such a big spike when you get to something where it's like, you know, if ideal, let's say ideal tire pressure is a hundred PSI. If you go to one Oh five, the negatives are so high. It's like, you might as well have gone down to like 75, like it spikes yeah. up the difference in, in rolling resistance. So it's worth it to go a little bit lower, um, than what you think is ideal, but you know, it's, it's, we're still talking within five or five or 10 Watts there. So gotcha. not five or ten, PSI, not, watts i don't know what i'm talking about yeah. there have been a lot of uh, people asking me and there's been discussion yeah. that's, that's popping up um whether or not people should stick with 25s or if they should be riding on 28s now and that's the millimeter width of the, the tire for the road yeah well i think that's super interesting and um that actually has to do a lot it has so much to do with um well two pieces again it's like yes you have rolling resistance and some people say, well, I've kept, I've read this online and it's like, I see all these people saying, yeah, wider tires are faster. And that's not really true at all. If that were true, like we'd all be riding the fat bikes. Sure. Those bikes are awesome. We should, maybe we should be riding those <laughs> things. Um, but aerodynamics plays a huge role. And especially once you get basically above eight or nine miles an hour, like, you know, aerodynamics starts trumping, you know, rolling resistance. And so do you want to, you know, a 28 is not a bad thing, but what it has to do with more is like, what is the wheel um, set up to be ideal for. So basically a lot of the race wheels that we have, uh, they may even tell you like, Hey, we're suggesting, you know, 25 mil tires with this and that what you don't want is this really big tire. Um, you can kind of imagine the shape of like a light bulb. You don't want this really big tire and then your wheel coming in here because what you want to do is smooth out the airflow from the tire to the wheel. Yeah. This is the wheel that you're paid. What you might pay $2,000 for these wheels. Correct. Uh, and you really want that, that airflow to basically like have that teardrop shape. And so the, a lot of the wheel manufacturers will tell you like, this is, this one's set up like a 25 is going to work great on this, this particular wheel. But a lot of times it's a 23. And so I've been racing on 23s for a long time. And I think I'm going to race 25s this season. And only because I'm going to switch over to some Envy wheels and they, they have a wider base. Yeah. They'll handle the 25s. That's what they suggest. That's what they've done all their aerodynamic testing for. Correct. Um, I won't be switching to 28s. I think that, that that's gonna, that would be super comfortable. Um, and I think people, if they're looking for comfort, 28 is great. Um, but if you're looking specifically for speed, I would say, look at the manufactured suggestions for from your wheel to what tire you should, should roughly go for. And, and the measurements on tires aren't exactly accurate either. Right. Like yeah. you'll say like, this is a, this says it's a 24, but it measures at 25. I mean, yeah. they, they don't exactly, they're right. not exactly perfect. And a lot of that's like how much you inflate the tire and 
you know, all the other little pieces of the puzzle. The tire pressure was a loaded question. <laughs> it's <laughs> too totally. variable. It was I know. Really it's variable. Tricky. But, but you know, it's cool to think about like, okay, you, what do you usually like? What do you pump your road tires? Like when you did, you did 120 miles on Saturday. What did you, I ride, you I ride 25s on okay. NV wheels. Yep. And they were at 75 PSI. Yeah, that's I, probably pretty close to. I used to pump them up to 100 yeah. or 105. Yeah. But with the 25s, I've dropped down to 75. That's a lot. That's a big drop. It's a big drop. Yeah. I thought I was going to be pinch flat and all over the place. No. No. Yeah. And, you know, it really should, like, you should really consider, like, okay, well, we're going to be on this ultra smooth pavement. You should probably go up. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I don't know that we're ever going on ultra smooth pavement, but there are some races or something like that that may be like that. So, gotcha. Um, Lance kind of set you up on that one. Did you have anything else that you want to toss out there? I have a whole bunch of other stuff for sure. They, people should go to my YouTube channel and just, yeah. just, <laughs> there you go. just subscribe guys. Come on. People. Free speed Friday. Yeah. Uh, latex tubes, I think is one that people overlook a lot. Those that's a cheap, that's a cheap, faster option than, you know, so butyl tubes are your standard black tubes, uh, that a lot of us use and they're great. I think they're great. They hold air really well. Um, but if you're racing the latex tubes, you really get, um, very close to like a tubeless, uh, rolling resistance. Gotcha. Yeah. And they're, they're great. People should use yeah. those. So gotcha. I'm going to rifle off a few cause we're getting pretty deep into this thing. Yep. Um, ride smart. Don't yeah. blow yourself up in the beginning. Don't burn matches early because you'll get kicked out the back and you're not going to be riding fast at all. So just ride smart. Um, another one, when you're riding your bike, look where you want to go. Yep. You need to take the right lines because those will keep you moving faster. And if you're looking where you're needing to go as opposed to, you know, looking at your stem or looking at your hands or looking at your front wheel, you're ultimately going to have to slow way down to negotiate turns. So look where you want to go and, you know, just learn how to corner in general. And that's going to keep you moving quite a bit faster. Um, Strength train and and stretch after your rides. Uh, Strength train in general, then stretch after your rides. Those two things are going to help you get faster. I should do that. Yeah, (laughs) we all should. (laughs) it got, there's so much in terms of like nutrition too. I didn't even get into talking yeah. about, um, you know, you're taking like beet juice or, you know, that kind of stuff or yep. things that are high in phytonitrates in terms of like the power endurance. I mean, there's a whole, like that's a whole rabbit hole that we could jump down. Um, plyometrics is another one for developing uh, strength training, um, and explosiveness. Draft, um, drafting helps as I, yeah. I can, yesterday I was just <laughs> drafting these guys cause I was like, they're going too fast. Yeah. I'm just going to draft them, um, <laughs> get on their wheel and hold on. Yeah. Before you, want to go jump on a fast group ride and if they're going to roll out and just be hammering don't just show up if you're a little bit slower than everybody and expect that um you're going to keep up with them right away if you're if you're one of the slower people go do a little warm-up go ride around for 20 30 minutes get there early get yourself warmed up and primed so that when they do kind of kick things up into gear you'll at least be putting yourself in a better more optimal position to hold on to said wheels so that you're not getting dropped right away um, and cool down afterwards too, because your body needs that as well. Um, train with the power meter. Use a heart rate monitor. Those are different ways that you can. Man, I, when I started yourself. using a power meter, I got a lot faster yep. because I trained with it. Yep. It was definitely helpful. Yep. And rest on your rest days. Yeah. Actually, rest. It's, I know. It's Evan, Evan, you should, listen to this. you should listen to this episode, Evan. <laughs> Hopefully, he's resting up and after his race. The last one I'm going to throw out there, um, and I'm excited about this because mine are showing up today. Um, music while yes. you're training. I just got myself some new aftershocks in there. Um, we had a, a little team order that we yep. put out and I've got um, my sets coming in today. I'm pretty excited about that and be able to listen to music without having Matt beat me with a baseball bat for <laughs> having earbuds in yeah. while I'm riding out well, on the road. Yeah, that's the thing. So we should probably discourage people from having like in-ear um, 
Lance, I'm looking at you. Yes. I'm looking at you. Don't don't lose eye contact. Uh, I'm looking away. Look I'm away, look away. away. No, it's shame. You want you want to be able to hear the road. And some of the bone conductive yeah. audio is it's good at helping it's pretty you. Good. Kind yeah. Of I mean it's not stuff. the same um auditory experience that you're going to get from in here but you're still going to get that music and you're still going to hear it and it's still going to get yeah. you pumped up and it's again scientifically proven yeah i want to look at some of those studies because um there's been a whole bunch of stuff where it's like you know in particular the one i'm thinking of is like they're trying to break two hours in the marathon yeah and they have a closed course and they didn't have like music throughout the course and it's literally like a performance enhancer like yeah. they should go for that why not right like they should put music yeah i mean have you know have them like create their playlist that they think would help i mean yeah. i think that's i think it's i mean all of us probably if you're indoors doing an ftp test i'm pretty sure all of us would put like some sort of hard music that would pump us up yeah. and oh, get us there for sure i don't i can't think of any of us that wouldn't do that i mean i don't know maybe evan because he's absolutely crazy <laughs> staring at a brick wall yeah. he probably still has music I wonder what the rule is. Obviously, you can't wear earbuds when you're racing, but right. I wonder if you can use bone conductive stuff that's you're still fully immersed in your surroundings. You know that helmet I have that has that? Yeah. Like, there's no way people would know what exactly. it is because yeah. it, it's basically part of the helmet straps, but it kind of just sits on your jawbone. <laughs> it's not that. I mean, it's a, this is the Koros Omni helmet if you guys uh -huh. are interested in checking it out. I did do a video on that as well, but um, it's it's okay. I think I bet you the Aftershocks are better. Yeah. That's my theory. Yeah, because oh. it's... Play with, I'm looking forward to playing with those a little bit more and I'll research and see if that's something that you can legally use in a, uh, a road race or a mountain bike race or any kind of race kind of situation. Yeah. yeah. Could be interesting. All right. Let us get into one last thing. Lance, one last thing. Is um, next week is my 25th wedding anniversary. Wow. Wow. 25 years. So Your wife has put up with a lot of she stuff. She has put up with a lot of years <laughs> of a lot of stuff. So I'm rewarding her for being stuck with me for the last 25 years and we're actually going to europe for a couple weeks so i will not be uh, here Lance. for two weeks dang it we're <laughs> gonna I, miss you i'm not sure i'm gonna be able to call in um next monday i'm gonna be in croatia and the monday after that i'm gonna be in monte carlo i think you're oh, very geez. you're very popular in croatia <laughs> i'm huge in croatia <laughs> oh so i don't think i'll be able to join us the next two weeks so dang. i will what, what's the time difference? What time would it be if I, you were to call uh, in? I, I'm curious to see. I, honestly, Gosh, I don't probably know. Probably like it's it's eight, like, it's like eight or nine hours, hour difference. Like eight or nine hour difference. Yeah, and they're ahead of us, correct? Yeah. So I'd be like, it'd be like the end of your night. Like you're done having dinner. You're just going. You're kicking up your feet. There's a possibility. I'll have to check what the time difference actually is and how good the Wi-Fi signal yeah, gotcha. is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the internet's going to be fantastic there, but I, who knows? You're, Will you're there be any Croatia. cycling shenanigans? Um, no. No. Yeah, no. Just 10% off the bike? I am not taking my bike. We're actually doing a cruise with uh, Viking okay. Ocean Cruises, which are like really super high class, nice They're fun. Yeah. Um, cruises. They're not like 4,000 So they'll passenger. probably have like some spin bikes or some They will. Bike. So I will take my vector pedals. Sure. I will take my iPad. I will try to Zwift in the... Um, yeah, instead of spending time with your wife or enjoying yourself, or enjoying just stick, stay on that spin bike. <laughs> I'll just sit on the spin Think bike. Think about how tough you'll be when you get back from there. So I have no specific plans for how much training I'm yeah. actually going to do, only if it works. Good. Yeah. 
only got to take, got to take breaks occasionally. Yeah. yeah. You should get some hard rides in before that. <laughs> That's why I did 120 <laughs> miles. miles. Oh, oh man. Two week recovery week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt, one last thing. Um, oh, I know what I want to talk about. Um, I posted a video, I think on Friday, about the kids' bike uh, thing. Oh, Did you yeah. stole my one last thing. Oh, was it? <laughs> SOB. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I'll, let, I'll let you talk about it. I, I, I'm going to post um, a video that I want to post. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it out this week or when I'll, I don't know what I'm going to do if I start getting a video out this week, but I want to post a video on gearing and just talk about like, you know, when people like we rattle off all kinds of stuff about gearing and we just assume that everyone knows. But like when we start talking about, oh, I was using my 1128 cassette and blah, blah, blah. And so it's like, that's the kind of stuff that I want to just talk about briefly a in a idea. video and just be like, okay, you know, when someone says that, you know, what are they talking about? What do they mean? Um, and what does that mean for your bike itself? And also, you know, like, um, can some of these things, if you're not super familiar with them, maybe, you know, spending, you know, 50, 60 bucks or, or less on a cassette, that might be something that could really benefit you depending on what race or what event or what ride you're doing. Yeah. So I think that there's some, something neat there. I'm excited about checking that one out because, um, I'm hoping to do maybe like some sort of animation and kind of show like gears working and stuff like that. So you can kind of explain it better, but I've got to find time to do it. So. I'm Open sure you will. We'll see. <laughs> My one last thing that Matt started to allude to was the awesome video that he had put together for our Bikes for Kids campaign that we did to um, buy a bunch of bikes for less fortunate kids. And I just wanted to go on the record to say, Matt, thank you. And that video Absolutely. was awesome. Did yes. you like it? Okay. Uh, I, I loved it. I didn't I like it. Was it. Cool I, loved, too. I, I think it you did yeah. an awesome job with that. And the way that it floated, it kind of like tugged at your like your your heartstrings a little bit. I mean, yeah. it just the, the way that it rolled out. Did I'm you like, cry? I, I might have walled up a little bit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, no, it's cool because like, I mean, the team, you know, like we've raised so much money for bikes for kids. Yeah. We, you know, we did the bike build, which actually was super fun. Yeah. Uh, and then you guys, I wasn't there for the delivery, but you guys got to deliver bikes and you guys got to help kids. Like some of those, yeah. like their first time on a bike. Yeah. I yeah. had a kid who had never ridden a bike. I, which is super yeah, cool. It was really fun. Yeah. It's a, it was a pretty cool thing. Definitely think Jake, you were a huge part of that. That's what I said in the video. I mean, thanks for doing it. Yeah. Thanks for putting it, it awesome. together. I was like chomping at the bit to like start planning the, the 2019 like yeah. ugly Christmas sweater ride and, and getting things kicked off and start the whole fundraising campaign for that. I have a sneaking suspicion that for our fourth annual um, version of this little thing that we're doing, it's going to be huge. I really well, do think it's yeah. going to be quite big. Yeah, so it might, it might explode on us a little bit. I mean, last year we had over 50 people that showed up for the yeah, ride and we raised big. a ton of money and bought a bunch of cool bikes. Um, I am, <laughs> I, I have a suspicion that we're probably going to have over a hundred people out there doing this ride this year. Yeah, and crazy. I think that with everybody spreading the word and seeing through the, the vision of Matt and his, uh, you know, video skills now of like how we actually utilize that. It's not just some random thing. This, this thought process of like, Oh, I gave money and it goes, whatever. like we can show this to people now yep. and they're going to be like, Oh, I totally get sure. that. Yeah, that is absolutely. awesome. I am going to, not only am I going to contribute this kind of, this time around, I'm going to give more than I probably would have before because right. we're going to able to enable these kids to have bikes. So, um, you know, whether we work with the Salvation Army or not again, or maybe bring in some other entities sure. or whatever, it doesn't matter. I just want to go find kids. Um, and if you hear this and you are, cause I want to keep it somewhat local cause absolutely. I want it to stay in our community. Um, if you guys can think of anybody who, um, we can connect with, we're all ears. Um, and we want to start the planning process now. So that we're, uh, you know, 
well equipped to do this again this year and and get as much money in the the coffers as we possibly can to support. I'd these love kids. to see like um, you know Cannondale or BMC or some company come on board and and really kind of help out too. You know, like right. Um, I think I think it's a really good. Program. Cannondale helped us out a lot last Did they? year. They okay, give awesome. us a really good discount good. on the bikes. So good, good, good. Um, and Giro too with the helmets. They awesome. I think we got. I want to say it was something like 60 or 65% off the helmets. So we got, we were wow. able to buy them much nicer things. They had nice stuff. Yeah. Much nicer yeah. things. And, um, you know, we were able to fulfill every kid that, that was a part of this process with what it was that they want. Cool. And that's so cool when you that's get a, awesome. a little like, um, wish list to like, yep. like, Hey, this is like, I'd love to have this kind of bike. I want it to be this color. Right. And I'd, I'd love to have this color helmet that this, this style, like we pretty much, checked every single box through that process and when the kids showed up I'm like oh my gosh i actually get this that, wow. that, that's what i want for i didn't think i was going to get it but i thought it they was were very good. nice bikes that's what i was one of the things i was like whoa yeah, man so, these are nice but thank you for putting that video yeah. together because that's like going to that be one. big for us down the road to make yep. this thing yeah we grow can use it for promotional purposes like yeah. promote the charity ride and yeah let's make it big yep Love and I, I was watching the video with my daughter i'm like hey you helped make this video and she's like what oh yeah and it, i'm like remember when you were running around with the gopro at that place I saw some of the footage yep. that you used from that. I'm like, it's <laughs> the cam cam. <laughs> I did so. use her footage. Yep. And uh, Lance, I use your footage too, Lance. I, I think I sent you a couple things. Yep. Yeah. Did you? I don't know if you noticed it in the video. I did. Go yeah. back and rewatch. Yep. Yeah. So, all right. Um, before we say goodbye, do take some time if you guys get a second and hop on to, oh, I don't know, iTunes or yeah. Stitcher or Google or whatever it is that you use to listen to this and give us a review. We could really use those. It helps us uh, kind of get our word out there and we want to do good stuff in the community um, and we want to help grow community. So the more recognition we can get, um, the better. And the only way that we can truly do that is by you guys going out there and, and writing something up about us, hopefully nice, <laughs> and giving us that... Um, Somewhere between five stars and five stars. stars. <laughs> <laughs> review. Um, doing that really does help us quite a bit. And, um, you know, we've got a lot of great positive things that have been said about us, but the more the merrier. And share this with other people. If you know somebody that's in the endurance community, the triathlon community, the cycling community, tell them. Tell them, like, hey, this is a, this is a good thing that you should check out if you think that we're worth it. So, yes. And then you can always check out all of our uh, social media stuff at Dow Podcast on both Instagram and the old book face, as mm-hmm. Mr. Evan would say. Um, aside from that, you guys, thank you. Lance, good having you back in the studio. Matt, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having us. Evan, fly safe. You guys, uh, for listening, thank you very much. We will see you next week. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.